This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. little feedback Friday here. Welcome in, where we take your comments, questions, concerns, critiques. We put them in a blender and we uh, pour it out on Mackie and Judd here. A lot of wild stuff here. Got AJ filling in for... For Declan, you can find AJ as part of Judd's Hockey Show. As well. In fact, you guys have an episode up from last night's win. Four, four in a row for Mike Yo last night. What's Isn't that? that what we used to say back in the oh, day? Oh, yeah, yeah, yep, yep, oh, yep. <laughs> Good old days with Mike Yo. Yep. Getting pushed uh, around by Parisian Suter. Four oh, in a row for the Wild. In fact, the Wild right now, oh, well, uh, they're, they're keeping pace with the top teams in the West with, with more points here, but... Uh, 32-21-5 on the season. A little shutout for Marc-Andre Fleury last night. And the first question here, oh, sorry, Judd's Hockey Show. Um, Corey Larson addresses the first wild question to old Macadac here. Mackie, the NHL's Western Conference is wide open. <laughs> That's right. People want to hear from the real hockey expert on this show. No question about it. Old Macadac. Love it. The NHL's Western Conference is wide open. Let's go all in. The Wild have a deep enough draft pool. Let's get Patrick Kane and give it a shot. Acquiring Patrick Kane makes us as good as anyone in the West other than maybe a healthy Colorado team, but they're not healthy. Also, acquiring Patrick Kane uh, prevents a team like Dallas from acquiring Patrick Kane. We get him. We'll have as good of a shot as anyone in the Western Conference. Let's go for it. All right, this is where old Macadac, hockey expert, is at here. All right. (laughs) I understand... Judd's point of view here that this is not a great wild team. It's a good wild team, but it's not a team that looks like it's going to go and win the first Stanley Cup in Minnesota hockey history. But the Western Conference, not exactly stacked. The Wild have a much better goaltending situation, you could argue, than a year ago. Kirill Kaprizov only has, what well, I guess it's four years under contract uh, after this. So you do have a little bit of a window to play with. Why not make a little run here? How much would you really have to give up? What do you think the asking price? And he wouldn't he have to agree to a trade here, too? That's this the is, other thing. This is where you run in, into a huge problem. So Patrick yeah. Kane has a full veto power, and he is still, believe it or not, with the trade deadline coming up on March 3rd, he is still right now deciding if he will even allow Chicago to trade him. He's not sure yet. He's just uh, Chicago. He started what? scoring hat tricks left and right. He's got like seven goals in his past what age four three games, games or yeah. four games, um, but as as was outlined in an article that Joe Smith did for the Athletic yesterday, the issue with Patrick Kane to the Wild isn't does the Wild want Patrick Kane necessarily? It's does Patrick Kane want to be here? Because if you look, there are better destinations. There are teams where he could go play with friends. Like the selling point here, you guys, is this. All right, you come here. Best case, we put you on a line with Kaprizov, but we also just might put you on the Boldy line because mm-hmm. there's not really a center 
if you put him like, are, are you going to take Zuccarello off th- that line? I cannot see. I personally would. Dean Evason won't, and Kirill probably wouldn't like that. So if you look, uh, he, he's good friends. Kane is with Tyler Sagan in Dallas, and that's a good team that's struggling now and could use help. Um, there are teams that that have been discussed where he could go and probably are perceived as having a, a better chance. So that's the problem. The problem is we're talking about a player. We're not talking about can the Wild offer the best package. We're yeah. literally talking about a player who might say, you know what, Minnesota, no thanks. And he very well in the next week or so might give Chicago a list of one team and handicap him completely. And they can trade him, but they're not going to get I, – I think it was, in fact, a guy that we talked about a lot around this time – Last year, Claude Giroux, then of a pathetic Flyers team, mm-hmm. um, had the same thing, exact same thing, and a complete no trade. He came in, I believe, and gave the Flyers two teams and basically said, it's Florida. I want to go to Florida. Yeah. So the return wasn't great. But that's the point is, before we get into, is Kane coming here? Should they want him? The most important thing is, Patrick Kane completely controls his fate. Okay. And he's a very flashy guy, you know. I could see, you know, with the Showtime nickname, why not want to play at the, one of the most famous arenas in all of the world? Madison Square Garden, under the lights, right on Broadway. You know, the Rangers, why would he not? And they're kind of a wagon this year with the up-and-coming uh, Alexi Lafreniere, who's been really slow since his draft. Capo Caco has been a little lackluster the year before, but Adam Fox is a perennial uh, Norris candidate. They have one of the best up-and-coming goalies in the world. They've got uh, his old teammate there, Artemi Panarin. I'm sure they would love to rekindle that flame. Um, but like you also, also mentioned, Dallas, they're a very good team. And now for the sake of Chicago, if he's on that list, maybe one, maybe two, maybe three, with how they're struggling, they might want to use that as a little bit of leverage of, you realize this could be your year. You've come close recently. We, you're on the list, but you're able to pay a little bit more because you need a little bit more, and your fan base is not going to like it if you started so hot and now you've lost five in a row, and now, uh-oh, things are looking bad. So, um, And plus, I don't think he just fits the Wilds game. Judd and I were talking about this like an hour ago. The Wild very north to south, and it's not that flashy play because you, when you're getting him, you're getting a specialist. You're not getting that two-way type of guy you're you're getting in extent and Alex Ovechkin he's going to stand in one spot on the power play and you're going to feed it to him because that's what he has to do Patrick Kane he can do a little bit more than that and he is very flashy but uh in terms of the wild I it would be very cool but this year I just don't think that is the move for them I think maybe he feels a little bad about beating up on the wild so badly uh you know seven (laughs) eight years ago the stanchion in the playoffs, <clears throat> yeah. The stanchion screwed the, up. The stanchion Our own goal. stanchion. It's ridiculous. At two stanchions. Viking bow chimes in here on YouTube. The turning point. The turning point for the Wild was bringing Flower, a move I supported, mm-hmm. um, and then starting him in the playoffs after he was totally outplayed by Talbot down the stretch. Flies in the face of everything that got us there. Gus in goal has saved this season. From disaster. Do you think last year's playoff run would have turned out differently if they had just started the playoffs with Talbot as the number one goalie? 
I think last year's playoff uh, series against the Blues turns out differently if the head coach had made any adjustments. Any adjustments. Mm. Craig Berube in St. Louis. Go back and watch that series. And what, because like the Wild got off to a good start and Berube adjusted things. He took the goaltender who had been playing, which I think was Halak at the time, who struggled a little bit and said, Jordan Bennington, he's crazy. He's cuckoo, but he's got a Stanley Cup. We're going to switch. He switched up lines. So do I think that Dean Everson was slow to adjust and sabotaged his team? Yes, I do. The goaltending was one thing. And the other thing, too, was they stuck with Flurry until the bitter end. And this is why I sort of get Talbot being pissed, right? Like for that last game, they're like, okay, we're going to start Camp Talbot. That's not how you coach a playoff series. That I'm telling you right now, that have raised my tentacles, which remain very raised on <laughs> Dean as a coach. So it's goaltending. He's Yes, I agree with the point, but I think it goes well beyond goaltending and age. I think it went to a lot of different things that Dean never addressed and just sort of hoped would change. Yeah, there was a lot of the five-on-five play in front of Flurry too, that there were some goals where you're watching and you're like, this is first week of the season mistakes. They're letting, you know, Jordan Cairo walk in and just be totally, like, There's no, you couldn't touch him with a stick. That's how far away people were playing defense. And then, okay, yeah, you're surprised when he gets the puck, he's going to put it in the back of the net. It's the playoffs. Nobody's going to miss opportunities like that. So uh, it comes down to probably the coaching because that was the biggest thing that just shocked me after the series. And it was just for how much faith I've had in Dean Evason as a guy who can maybe tinker and energize the room. Um, zero adjustments just kind of really lead into this is how we've been doing it. It's a tried and true thing. We've we've done it all season. We're going to tough it out and it's going to things are going to come around because we believe that it will. No, that's that's not how it works. Not in the playoffs. No. Well, they're kind of tracking toward a similar goaltending situation. I know that uh, there was a shutout last night by Fleury, which is great, so maybe he's back on track a little bit. But it, but could you enter the playoffs again? And it's very clear that he's not your best goalie, but you still roll with him because yep. of his career. They're sort of facing a similar situation. I think that'd be very telling of Dean because now a calendar year later, do you want to go? And, and, and last year, you made the trade to acquire him. And if you make if you don't make that trade... I think there's no doubt that you're you're rolling with Talbot, but it was the the recency bias and it's the presence of of this Hall of Fame goaltender who's coming in and you you went out and got him. So why would you not start him in the playoffs and all that stuff? Um, this year, I I think and I and I still have faith in in Dean as a coach of being able to adjust and adapt and kind of grow with the times. I think he may be able to recognize Gus. We're going to go with you game one. We're gonna we're gonna see how things go. Even if we get the win and you look shaky, then we'll maybe we'll make the change. But I think if you, you if, really trust if, him, I still do. Just because really I'm, I'm an optimistic guy, um, especially around this team. I I I spend more time on the show. <laughs> I think I I want to. I want to trust Dean, which is why I think I'm giving him the the benefit of the doubt here. But you know, talk to me in a week or two. I will say say this for all that that we have talked on the show about various sports and what coaching means. Um, it is incredible when playoffs come around, how important that becomes. Just as far as decisions go, look, the Vikings won th- 13 games. But at some point in time, we all sort of knew when it got to be um, crunch time that that defensive lack of adjustments and lack of control would bite them. And it did. Last year, playoffs. You can win a lot of games in 
the regular season with sort of hope and eh, I'll make this change or I won't. Um, but when playoffs start, right, and things get tense and things get buttoned down, mm-hmm. guess what? Other teams adjust, it bites you. The Twins, you know, the Twins can make these goofy decisions about the bullpen and stuff, and yes, it blew up last year. But Rocco got away with that crap in the regular season a lot. But then we get to the playoff games. We get to New York, for instance. And the willy-nilly decision that doesn't bite you completely in the ass in June just undoes you. Like, Mm -hmm. it is incredible when we get to that time how important it becomes that the leadership structure understands in every way what it's trying to do. Evan Lindstrom chimes in here, says, I'd like to get your thoughts on how the Wild scratched Beckman, added Felino to the second line, and kept Greenway in the same role. Greenway has scored two goals all season uh, and is due to get scratched. <laughs> With Boldy and Beckman playing pretty well in the last two games uh, they played together, I thought it was a poor decision to not have Felino take Greenway's role, especially in a game against a lesser opponent like Columbus. Although you can't take uh, any game lightly, I think it would have been one to really get Beckman's confidence up. Your thoughts? Um, I saw this note. It's a it's a great point, and here's what here's why they didn't do it. Um, because of the technicality of the trade that the Wild again facilitated with the Washington Capitals and Boston Bruins, which brought Dmitry Orlov, a really good defenseman, to the Wild for about ten seconds. Um, and the Wild absorbed 25% of the cap hit to help with that trade. The reason why they got something back is because they absorbed the cap hit and they're going to take that on for the rest of the season. Beckman had to be sent down technically because you got to get his cap off. You, you got to get his salary off the cap to fit the Orlov salary of 25% in. And so Beckman, Beckman can clear the waiver process or he he is not subjected I sh- I should say to them like so if you waived Greenway he's going to get claimed so it's all technicalities but the reality is I'm more curious to see what they do against Toronto tonight because I think Beckman is going to be re- recalled now and they'll they'll again it's a day by day thing they shuffle the cap around Phil so the Beckman move for the Blue Jackets game was made solely hmm. because of the trade with the Bruins and Capitals okay. If that makes sense. I right. love the, the technical explanation. Uh, Brandon Ledoux says, hey, guys, I want to get your thoughts on something. I agree with you that this wild team is not a Stanley Cup contender right now. Billy G made it clear that he is not going to give up the farm for this year by even paying for Ryan O'Reilly's contract. So if we aren't going to go all in this year, why not get the most value for what we have now through trading our value? I'm talking about trading the Gus bus. No one is talking about this. Yes. Everyone keeps bringing up Dumba and Greenway. Dumba, Greenway? What are we going to get for them? A ham sandwich and a bag of pucks? Gus is on his last year of his contract. Why not trade him to goalie needy teams like Vegas, the Kings, or the Kraken and really cash in? First of all, the Gus bus is is at the end of his contract, but because of his age and contractual status, he is a restricted free agent. So he's yours to keep. Um, He's not going to break the bank. Second of all, keep in mind, goaltenders never get you as much back as you think. So like if you traded him, you're going to be very surprised and disappointed at what you get, get back. I would rather proceed ahead into next year with an eye on Gustafson, and Jesper Wallstedt, who's at Iowa, who's a first-round pick, who I think is going to be an absolute stud, 
Uh, I would far prefer to uh, proceed with them as being my top two goaltenders. Flurry, I don't know. He, he's got a year left on his contract. I'm not sure if he comes back or not. But the point is, like, if you're thinking, well, Gustafson, I'm going to get a ton. You're not. And so I don't even think that there would be a thought in actuality unless you got blown away and you're not going to of trading him to a team. I just want to applaud. This is this is this perfectly encapsulates the spirit of the Mackie and Judd show, right? It does. Here, which is it does. reckless speculation. And Declan you have loved an outside it too. the box reckless speculation yes. <laughs> idea. What yes. did you guys already read that comment? Uh, Declan read it, or De- or Declan got it. I don't know if it was that exact comment, but he got that exact same suggestion okay. that we did on JHS. Got but it. I mean, okay. it is reckless speculation at its highest. Yeah, it's, it's really a, good. It's the type I love, like the the type of move that you wouldn't think about that could yes. help the franchise. But isn't it fair to say, though, to your point, if you have you if you could spend almost nothing on a good above average goalie, that that sets your roster up because you don't want to be overpaying for something that's volatile as a goalie in hockey where you could still go like the best goalies still go sideways for stretches, yep. right? It's just a really hard, uh, volatile position to, to sort of project. Yes. sir. So if you, to me, I look at it the other way around. Like if you're only going to get 50 cents on the dollar via trade, but you have a guy that even as a restricted free agent, maybe he makes more money in the next few years, but he's not like crippling your cap situation, but he's stable. I would rather keep him, but I appreciate the sentiment here from, from Brandon. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a great thought. Okay. Um, So real quick, before we get into some, some other stuff here, where do you think, so they've won four games in a row. Now, if you're Bill Guerin and you've kind of issued the challenge of, Hey, show me what I should do with the trade deadline. How much do these last four games influence what you may or may not do before the trade deadline? Age, go ahead. I Tor- Toronto's another one. Like if you beat Toronto's a good team. If you beat Toronto, Toronto's yes. very good. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Toronto's very good. We'll see on that one. My my issue is that you you shouldn't be basing off how much you're leveraging and sending and buying and selling at the trade deadline based off this past four game stretch and what you're going to do within the next, you know, week and a half or so. Because you've seen what the team has been able to do up until this point. You have to look at the bigger picture, not just this past little frame because you can draw the fence all you want and make it uh, and frame it in a way that says, bye, bye, bye. This team's a contender. This team, you know, they're, they're finally turning things around. You know, they just got Ryan Hartman back and he has, you know, a couple goals in the past few games. He had back-to-back nights with a game winning goal. I just don't think that this team over the grand scheme of the season is set up to make any type of deep run. And especially with the way that the playoff structure uh, structure is formatted, they're going to go in, and right now they're playing a very very good team in their division. They're not they're not going to get maybe a you know, I'm trying, like a not not that the Kings are bad, but I think they would match up better with the Kings than say the Avalanche or even with like the the Stars if they keep this kind of downward trajectory. They're going to go in and probably play a six game series where they're going to lose because they're just not built and they don't really have the structure and the consistency and that's the key thing there is the consistency to make any sort of deep run. So it, it it does factor in a bit because they are in such a close race for a higher seed and getting a better um getting a better like leverage point going into the postseason, but I don't think trading for one of these maybe bigger name guys and making a splash like they did last year 
drastically changes the the overall arch of this season and the storyline um, of how the season plays out. I think it's pretty much cemented in terms of what they'll do. They're going to get into the playoffs unless, you know, tragedy strikes and a bunch of guys go down and they're they just fall flat on their face. But um, it's it's a team that's going to put up a, a little bit of a fight, but overall not play a full 60 minute game of hockey and lose in the first round. Which is pretty much wild history. Yes, if that exactly. uh, if that happens, that's their that's their story. Yep, and and yep. the fact that um, Brodeen is hurt now mm-hmm. is a big deal too. If he's out for any amount of time, that's go that's a huge huge loss. Like that that would impact more than the past four games. How I think about this team. Yeah. Uh, a couple notes here for the audience. So you may be listening to this by the time Friday has already happened. But, Judd, you and I are going to be at the Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show for a Purple Daily Town Hall Q&A session. We're going to bring the Purple Daily Leadership Cabinet. Anyone that wants to come and hang out and talk some Vikings, speculate, uh, drink a couple adult beverages, we're going to be at the, the Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show, Minneapolis Convention Center, Hall B, on Friday and Saturday at 2 o'clock. Tickets are just 12 bucks. You can get them at the door. Uh, or you can go to minnesotagolfshow.com to find out more information. So come hang out with us and uh, cheers a couple and talk some purple. Also, uh, earlier this week on Monday, the legendary Tom Bernard, who has been a fixture at the top of the radio ratings in Minneapolis-St. Paul, on uh, formerly on, on the radio side, KQRS. Now he is under our umbrella and our family here at Hubbard, where we produce Score North podcasts, the Garage Logic podcast, and now the Tom Bernard Morning Show. And you can find both Judd and myself. We alternate. So I'm Mondays and Fridays at 9.15. Judd, you are uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 9.15. Talking sports with Tom Bernard. TomBernardShow.com. Live from 7 to 10 a.m. every weekday. TomBernardShow.com. And podcastable anywhere you find podcasts. So Don Shelby was on today. Another... Like, if you would have told 12-year-old Phil Mackey, hey. Legend. 12-year-old Phil Mackey in the late 90s, someday in about two decades, you're going to be a regular on Tom Bernard's morning show (laughs) where Don Shelby appears on Fridays, and you'll be doing, like, five shows a week with Patrick Royce. Three, four, five shows a week with Patrick. I would have said, what? Mm -hmm. Pinch me. And so today uh, I jump on at 9.15, and it's Tom and it's uh, it's Don Shelby. And Tom was saying how, like, you know, we haven't actually met Phil in person, but it's been great you know, having him on, talking sports, having Judd on. And I said, actually, I've met both you guys in person earlier in my career. So Don Shelby, and he didn't know. Don Shelby's met a million people. For the, for the younger audience, Don Shelby was the lead news anchor for the 10 o'clock news on Channel 4 WCCO for years and years and years. There's a great, actually, uh, they did a Minnesota hometown David Letterman episode in like 1996 where they kept cutting back to Don Shelby and Amelia Santanello for these little spoof clips. And at one point, Don Shelby goes, Amelia, I have a gopher in my pants. His name is Carlos. And at the time, like, we didn't really see much of that personality from Don Shelby, I feel like. But uh, I was sitting in the Twins press box, like, probably, this is probably 11 or 12 years ago when we had just launched 1500 ESPN. I was, like, 24, 25-year-old, just making my way in the industry. Don Shelby sits three seats down to my right with no one sitting between us in the Twins press box in the third row. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's Don Shelby. I grew up watching this guy. This guy's a legend. 
Mm-hmm. And I kind of, it took me like three innings to work up the courage to like, just lean over, reach out my hand and introduce myself. And, uh, I was, again, I was so nervous and I said, Hey Don, and he kind of looks over and then I made the mistake of saying, I don't know if you know, or I don't know if you're familiar with me. Uh, my name is Phil Mackey from 1500 ESPN and some other, but, but, but the main thing that I said, I stumbled into like, I don't know if you're familiar with me or not. And he shakes my hand and he pauses for like three seconds. He goes, Nope, not familiar. (laughs) And then well, turns and keeps watching the game. <laughs> set yourself up. <laughs> uh, I, I met Tom at uh, a, it was like a podcast convention six years ago, and we sat. We were at a, a dinner table with like eight other people, a big dinner table, and we just like told Patrick Ricey stories for three hours, and he like totally forgot that that happened. So I, I had to reintroduce those guys. And we have met before. I'm a nobody. Uh, appreciate you guys. And Don right. Shelby was like, you know, uh, now that I've had about twelve years to think on it. Your name does vaguely ring a bell now. <laughs> That's great. It's like, thanks, Don. Actually, if you, again, if you would have told 12-year-old Phil Mackey that someday Don Shelby will tell you, your name vaguely rings a bell, I would take that as a win. Yeah. <laughs> that is, yeah. He's he he's great, too, because he, he, like, grew his hair out once he got done yeah. with TV. <laughs> Dropping casual like F-bombs on the Bernard podcast. Had, like, a, had like a ponytail. Podcast. It's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> So TomBernardShow.com, if you want to hear uh, Judd and myself just slinging takes at 9.15 every weekday morning. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Um, back to feedback Friday here, boys. X twins news guy says, Hey Mackie, I love when you guys peel back the curtain talking about the business like you guys did on flagrant howls a couple weeks ago. So Kyle and I were kind of talking about the mechanics of like the DLO stuff that came out after he was traded. Oh, right. And we kind of talked about why didn't that stuff come out while he was here mm-hmm. and just the dance that you have to do that beat writers oftentimes know this much, but can only report this much for political reasons or whatever. Right. Ultimately, your loyalty is to the audience before anyone else. But he says, would love it if you guys would do that more often once in a while. Got me to thinking a guy on Twitter recently called you an analyst. I think a lot of people don't understand the different roles and just lump people into sports media. But under that umbrella are roles like beat writer, newspaper columnist, analysts, talking heads, journalists, etc. And many don't really understand the inner workings. Could you guys talk about this? Thanks, X Twins News guy. You've well, done like all of those things. He forgot the most important one: hot take artist. <laughs> That's what we are. <laughs> you heard of uh, Subway Sandwich ar- artist? We are. We are brewing up hot takes every day. Some people like they'll they'll rip on us for uh, that's not very good journalism. It's like we're not really journalists anymore. Well, we used to we used to be. I but... also got I I also saw a tweet from a guy. Uh, upset at our our Vikings roster construction show on Thursday because it wasn't factual enough that that we we were just pontificating and guessing. It's like, well, yeah, that's what we do. We take what we know and then we try to mold that into 
intriguing segments or yeah. podcasts. Uh, but it's like that wasn't, you know, you guys are just spitballing. Yes, that's what uh, sports we talk are is. idiots on microphones. And now we have cameras as of the last few years. Exactly. And we just want to build a, a group of like minded or not even like minded, just a group of Minnesota sports fans that want to come together. That's I don't know what what you would call that. I think the interesting thing, though, to, to the point here is how these jobs have evolved and changed in the past 5, 10, 15 years. Like what used to be the traditional, it, you know, when, when you covered a team at one time and were what he refers to accurately as a beat writer, um, there was a time where you weren't supposed to have opinions, basically. Like, like that was the columnist job and your job was to report the news. But if you think about it right now, how much do you want to read a person who covers a team with zero opinion? Yeah. It's not yeah. interesting. You know, you want to know, um, and that doesn't mean that the person has to rip players or the team, but it certainly mean, it certainly does mean that I want your acknowledgement of you're around the team on a daily basis. You know, give me your feeling about it. Like, you, you know more than I do. I want to know. So yeah. it's just really intriguing. I feel like the beat writer's job has become more of like a columnist job just through the natural progression yeah. of what the reader wants. Well, for years and years and years, there was a lot of value. I mean, literally going back, you know, when did newspapers first start getting printed? In the late 1800s or something? Like, yeah. when was the printing press invented? But there was, there was incredible value in telling people what happened. That, and, even, and even not that long ago, like 15 years ago, you would oftentimes have to wait. Something would happen, and then you'd have to wait. Let's say something happens at noon. Now, live radio was the way that you would get it out there, I guess, in the 80s, 90s, 2000s. But then maybe you'd have to wait until 6 o'clock to watch it on TV or 10 o'clock. Um, and now it's like in 2023, what happened is just so instantly available. And, and it's so there's there's less yeah. if, if I guess if you have a, a job in sports media and your job is to tell people what happened, I would I would be looking through LinkedIn to find <laughs> another there's, you have to find a different way to hook people. And I always kind of laugh, not to, like, make fun of local TV news, but I always laugh when, like, local TV news will say, coming up next, we'll tell you if the Wild hung on in Toronto. It's like, what? Yeah, yeah, I sort of know that <laughs> okay. and, got, and got that. When, when I started to – so when I started on the Vikings beat in two, 2005, so relatively in time terms, not that long ago at all, I remember going and looking at the Pioneer Press in the morning every day, hoping I didn't get scooped on something or or that we didn't. Like, you literally had to go get the physical yeah. paper the next day. Well, you'll now, know right away now. You get scooped yeah. on something. Okay, well, how, and can it's you, out, how can you spin it? Something, you know, and forward. it's out on Twitter, and, yeah. like, Schefter has it or Rappaport has it. So, like, the amount of change that's happened in the last 22 years is just off the charts the in terms of like beat writers and journalists like the capital j journalism jobs again if if you're there's so many of them and there's there's probably a shrinking number of them now just because some of these traditional media outlets are downsizing so much but mm -hmm. the the your value is not necessarily like writing a gamer your value is do you have sources that can help you tell a story that the fans don't know right or, or, or provide a reason why something happened like can you do you have, can you build sources or to your point, can you put an opinionated or analytical spin on something that 
you know, maybe nobody else is or something that, that goes deeper for the audience. And then there's hot take artists like us that just come on here every day and make fun of things and poke and entertain. Oh, no, no, we're right half the, the time. The only question is, do the teams listen to us? <laughs> uh, Isaiah Williams on Twitter chimes in and says, I don't understand people criticizing meteorologists this week. If you live up here in Minnesota, you know our weather is erratic and the meteorology isn't an exact science. They're doing their best. How do you guys feel now that we've had a couple days? I'm looking out the window. It's sunny. All right, we've got a lot of snow. Yeah, I shovel a lot. Do you feel like the meteorologists deserve criticism for what happened this week? You know what? Do you think they, they got close enough? Well, one is... After personally shoveling my car out of the backyard or, or the, the back driveway in my alley, and then the entire front, uh, my entire front sidewalk and the sidewalk in in front of my house, that was a lot of bleeping snow. Okay, uh, I wish they would tone down the doom and gloom a little bit. Like I feel like they get an irrational joy because I think the ratings go through the roof, right? Mm-hmm. When they basically tell you it's Armageddon, we're all screwed. See ya in the afterlife. So that annoys me. But that being said, I feel like there was about in St. Louis Park here, twelve to fourteen in- inches of snow. It felt like a little bit. So it's not like they missed by. Oh my God, it didn't snow. I think here's my thought on this. All right. It snowed a lot, but I saw that it was like the 17th biggest snowstorm or something in Twin Cities history. That's not what we were promised. That's not what we were told to prepare for. Mm-hmm. Did you want it, though? And as someone who is rarely wrong on a sports take, I yeah. feel perfectly comfortable throwing stones <laughs> well, at meteorologists right now. Okay, I just uh, like I'm, I'm going back through my wife and I were sending each other you know, just some of the, some of the verbiage and stuff that these weather people were. So here's one from an unnamed meteorologist from three days ago. All caps, extreme level of winter storm severity index continues to expand. To be blunt, a rare and straight up shutdown snowstorm is on the way to Minnesota. Blizzard conditions increasingly likely regardless of totals. And then several others that were referencing the 1991 Halloween blizzard, which, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't that like 29 inches of snow? It was 20, so, yes. Yeah, by the, time it was done, by the time it was done, I think you're right. So to me, it, and I get that you'd rather, you, you don't want 29 inches of snow to fall and you didn't warn people, so I get that that's kind of your job. But right. I, think, I think you can say, listen, no one's going to get fired here, but it was kind of an L. We were we were talking about maybe the number one or number two biggest snowstorm in Minnesota history. Right. We were talking about a Patrick Mahomes here. Right. We wound up with a Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, we wound no, up you're with not a wrong. Ryan Tannehill. You know, I just want to. I just want. I want the weather person world to calm down first of all. Okay. And I feel like they sell there. There's this all or nothing, um, and there are some folks who do a good job. So like there are some folks who get get on and say, okay, it's going to be. It's going to be a big storm, but I feel like they're not like frothing at the mouth to say you're all going to die. Capital but, letters, extreme. But but, but the one you're thing you're all going to die. But I will say this: I will say that this was the type of storm that if you can stay home and get off the roads, it's probably smart. So like, just give me the give me what I need to know. If you want to deal in hyperbole, join me in sports because ultimately. When I'm like, oh, my God, this wild team sucks. I can't stand them. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I just said. Yeah. 
But so like, just give me, just calm down and tell me don't travel because you probably shouldn't. I mean, I will say this outside the Metro on those roads, this is the type of storm that you shouldn't be. So, so like, I don't want to hear Mr. Trucker guy. Oh, it'll be fine. I'm going to cut through this. No, you're not. You're probably going to die. You idiot. (laughs) Um, So like, there's a happy medium here, but yes, I do get annoyed by the overselling. The the best thing I saw was the national weather service put out. This is going to be a top six forward of a storm. They go dope. They go dope. They, they started this last week. You guys, I found a tweet last week. Like, if this paneling or if this model, if this model is correct, it's over. Oh, no. That's no, National Weather Service. No, sorry. I, I'm saying they compared it to a hockey player. They're like, a. this is going to be a top six forward for your team. It it, oh, could, it could be very productive and dangerous on certain nights, a, but it also, it, it might not be a liner. It was a third oh, liner. Oh, so, so they draw. Okay. Well, so the, the guy the, I saw so the, last week was like, you're all dead. Yeah. So they, this, this was on like Monday night, Tuesday night. Good for um, them. My one little thing that I, and I'm sure other people are sick of this too. I hate sitting there at home watching. Don't go out. It's dangerous. You're going to die. If you go out and drive right now, it's awful. But we're in a Toyota Camry on 35W and we're going to tell you all about how bad yeah. it is to be driving right now. No. Oh, sure. like when they go out and they're yes. Like, you can't I'm be on the road. Get off the road, except for us, because we yeah yeah. Just do it from the sta- the station. Do it from the studio. A little dangerous. Yeah, yeah. you're setting a, a bad example yeah. for people. So you're right, though. The amount of of young reporters that TV stations send out. I'm standing in the gale force winds here. I would <laughs> just you know what? Don't make it's those great poor theater. people it's stand great. No, out it's, there. It's a better visual for TV when there's. That's you know, my kid. Jim, I wouldn't want him out Jim there. Jim Cantori, that longtime uh, Weather Channel guy. Oh, yeah, he knew always... the. He knew though. That guy might have. He's died. like swimming in the ocean during. Yeah, the that guy. Oh, no, I'm talking. <laughs> I'm talking. Poor, poor, twenty-three-year-old just got hired out well, of college. You want? They're like your first assignment is to go stand in the middle of four ninety-four and see what happens. How do you differentiate <laughs> yourself from the other? You know, there's thousands of other twenty-two, twenty-three-year-old aspiring. Uh, you know, news TV personalities. You do something. Some of you but it was an L. in front of a green screen and it'll elevate your career. You're not wrong. It was an L. Like for what for what we were promised, I'm just not go- going to complain yeah. because it it's was fine. still a lot. Mm-hmm. They get all sensitive too. Like, oh, you know, it's, a, it's an L. It's an L. Okay. There was a lot of snow, but you know, it's Minnesota. It's not their fault though, Phil. No one's the model showed them wrong. It's just like with Kirk. It's not their fault. I just blame Kirk on weather. God, I found a way to tie him in. <laughs> Judd's hate for Kirk. You could have called it. Him. There was the Kirk Cousins of snowstorms. It was pretty good, pretty good, but it wasn't like <laughs> yeah. an elite snowstorm. And then we got to Joe fourth Burrow. and eight, and it snowed two more inches, three more inches. <laughs> right, we just need uh, eight more inches of snow. I-, I can give you three. Maybe the wind can get you the rest of the way. I'm going to check this we'll snowstorm see. down. Yep. All right, that's a, that's a wrap on Mackie and Judd Feedback Friday here today. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Send all your, if you're a meteorologist out there, send all your angry notes to jzolgad at scorenorth.com. See ya.